I'm going to start with two sources that are not on the handout. One, of, uh, both of them are well known to us. One of them is specific language, and one of them more of an idea. Uh, the one that is an idea is one that we encounter throughout Midrashic literature. It actually starts as early as the Book of Jubilees, um, and it shows up in Pirkei Avot and other places that Abraham Avinu had a whole series of tests. And in most of those versions, not all, believe it or not, in most of those versions, the final test is the Akedah. And in almost all these versions, one of the intermediary tests, meaning not the first, was Lech Lecha. And we assume that Lech Lecha was a test, we generally assume Lech Lecha was a test because it's hard to pick up and leave home and leave to a place that you don't know and just follow God to where he tells you to go. I'm going to propose in this shiur that the test was actually something quite different uh, and that Avram passed it in a very different way. Well, by the way, we're all in general agreement that whatever test existed, Avram passed. So the uh, question is, what is that test of life? That's part one. Second thing is there's a very specific text uh, that you're familiar with, that we're all familiar with, uh, but that I, if you think about it, is a little bit um, inscrutable. We say it three times a day at the beginning of Shmon Esrei every time. And that is when we describe God, we describe God as the names that the descriptions that Moshe Rabbeinu uses. And then El Elyon, which comes from this week's Parsha. And then we have three words that are a little bit hard to fathom. Gomel chasadim tovim. What does that mean? How, how do you understand those words? Gomel chasadim tovim. So ligmol means to pay back, and typically it means to pay back in a good way. All right, so gomel chasadim tovim. So what does it mean? Does it mean that God pays back with good chasadim? And what's he paying back for? Or does he mean that he recompenses for chasadim tovim? Now, what are these chasadim? In other words, paying back usually means you did something for me, I pay you back. So what's Gomel Chasadim Tovim? So let's park that for a second and roll a little bit further in the bracha. The Koneakol, which actually means he created everything. Uh, that's also from this week's parasha. V'zocher chastei avot. So what does that mean? Zocher chastei avot. He remembers the chasadim of the patriarchs. And then he brings a redeemer, and that sounds like that's what the pain back is. So Gomel Chasadim Tovim seems to be explicated. What does it mean that he pays back Chasadim Tovim? He remembers the Chasadim of the Avot, and he brings a redeemer to their children. Beautiful. What are Chasadim? Yes. What are your Chasadim? How would you translate chasadim tovim? It sounds like he repays repays for what his for what I'm a better word children do in terms of of good deeds. All right. So in other words, the avot did chasadim, and God repays them for that their, those chasadim by bringing a redeemer. All right. Good. So please tell me throughout Sefer Breshit, what chasadim do you see? Right, that was a short conversation. Because the truth is, it's very hard to find. You want to point to Avraham <laughs> welcoming the, the guests uh, at his tent, 
that's fine. But uh, remember that according to the Rambam, that of course happened only in a vision. But even if it not, that's a one-shot deal. In the meantime, we find lots and lots of stories they evoke. Chesed is actually not something in the conventional sense that we see too much of. So I'd like to share with you something. We've talked about this a little bit in the past. Uh, something that, uh, that if you look through Tanakh, you'll find that the word chesed has several meanings. And one of them that's actually predominant is not kindness, but loyalty. And the best way to see that, or the most clear uh, illustration of that, is in Psalm 89, which talks about chasdei Hashem, God's chasadim. And it's always balanced in the verses with brit and emunah. And emunah, remember, means faithfulness in the sense of holding to what you said. And so chesed seems to be a parallel to emunah, something that you're trustworthy, you hold on to. So I'd like to, for purposes of this year, read that line in Shemona Esrei, but this is the way I understand the line in Shemona Esrei, to be read as follows. Zocher chasdei avot, Hashem remembers the loyalty of the avot, the loyalty of the avot meaning loyalty to God, also mean loyalty to their family. And, uh, and so Gomel Chasadim Tovim, again, means he pays back for that loyalty, means you're loyal to your family, God pays you back. And he pays you back by bringing a redeemer to your children's children, because you have loyalty in the family, so the children's children gain from that. Now, with that premise, I want to start this parasha and see this in the entire presentation of Avraham in a different light. We all know the beginning of this week's parasha. And by the way, we're going to go through good chunks of the parasha in this year. How would you translate lech, lech, lecha? Instead of just lech, how would you translate lech, lecha? Go for yourself. Okay, good. What does that mean, go for yourself? If go for yourself means go for your own benefit, that's a little strange because I'm telling you to go. And is, is this just a good advice? I got a good idea. You know what? You want to have a good life? Go there. It sounds a little bit more commandy than that. So the simplest read of Lechacha means you go alone. You alone go. <clears throat> and notice what he's being told. He's being told to leave behind his land, his family, his father's house. So he's being told to abandon everything. It's a to land that I'm going to show you. And to add to that, because we are told, if you look in source two, we're told that Avram, this is just beforehand, meaning at the end of Parsha Noah, Avram got married. He married Sarai, and we're told that Sarai has no kids. So keep that in mind as we hear the rest. God says now, up in source one, Pasuk Bet, I'm going to make you a great nation. And you're and you're the whole world's going to be blessed through your children, etc. In other words, you're going to have a huge nation. Now, put two and two together, and it makes a lot of sense that God is telling him, leave all of it behind. You're here in Chutzlart, in Haran, or in Orkastin, depending how you read it, but you are outside of the land. You have a wife who will not bear, be able to bear you any children. You are you have a nephew whose father 
we're not so happy with. He died before Terach. Maybe something was wrong with him. The Midrash elaborates on that. And of course, the Midrash certainly elaborates. We talked about this last week on Terach. You go, leave it all behind. Now, look at Pasuk Dalad and look at Pasuk K, and you're going to see a problem. Pasuk Dalad in Source 1 says, Kasher What does Kasher mean? Kasher means just like. Avram went just like God told him. Avram went in the singular. He went alone. And then we hear, Lot tagged along. We spoke about this a little bit last week, but now we're going to go into detail. Lot tagged along. And then we find out that Avram was 75 when he went. But Pasuk Hay does a double take. Vayikach Avram. Avram takes at Sarai Ishto, Vet Lot Ben Achiv, Vet Avram takes Sarai with him. He takes Lot with him. Lot doesn't tag along. He takes them with him. And he takes all of his property and all the slaves. Okay. Which means, by the way, if you think about it, Avram actually did not follow God's command. He didn't do Lech Lecha. He did Luchulachem. You guys go. Take them. It would be Lech Lecha v'kach Lecha. Go and take your family with you. But that's not what God said. So what was his reasoning? So I think the reasoning is very straightforward. If you take a look in... Um, In um, the end of that bracha that he's given, you're going to go and make you a great nation, and all families of the earth will be blessed through you. Right? Now, how's that going to happen? Why is the rest of the earth going to pay attention to Avram? Because Avram is going to be representing this fabulous radical idea not only of one god not only of one god who controls all not only of one god and we get into the most important part of one god who is invisible but most critically of one god who holds us accountable for our actions and our morality and we're going to be called on the carpet for it and we can't appease him with offerings of any sort just to make him happy if we behave badly. We have to correct our behavior. That is a revolutionary idea. So Avram is essentially coming and representing justice in the world. He's representing God's justice in the world. And this becomes a prominent thing later on in Parshavayera, when God shares with us, I'm got to tell Avram what I'm about to do to Stone, because Avram is going to teach his children about Dera Hashem, which is Lasot Tzvakao Mishpat. God is going to teach his children to do the way of God, which is, uh, and to guard the way of God, which is to do justice and righteousness. And therefore, Hashem says to Avram, okay, I'm going to destroy Stone. And God's, Avram says, you can't do that. Which, by the way, is a really phenomenal statement. You can't do that. What if there's 50 innocent people there? So God says, okay. Says, okay, for, and for five less people, you'll, you'll destroy them? Okay, 45. 40, 30, 20, 10 sold American. We got it. Famous scene. Now notice, Avram turns to God and says, you can't do that because you are the God of justice. This is a last lack of justice. Why is Avram saying that? Because Avram says, look, 
You want me to represent you to the world. Representing you to the world and getting the world to be blessed through me means I'm representing a model of who you are. How can I do that if you don't act justly? Okay, very good. Now let's roll it back. Avram says the following. I'm extrapolating. Avram says the following. You want me to leave my entire family behind, leave my father, leave my orphan nephew, leave my barren wife, leave them all behind and come to a new land, evidently get a new wife and have a bunch of kids with her and become a great nation and be blessed. And what's the first guy going to say to me when I try to tell him about God and justice? Say, who are you to talk about justice? You abandon your whole family. And so Avram takes his family. So look back again at verse four and verse five. I'm going to take you aside for a second to a, a problem that happened two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, we started reading the Torah. We started reading Bereshit Barai Elohim, and we read a whole beautiful story that took up about 34 verses about God creating the world in a very orderly way and creating simple organisms and more complex organisms until finally the apex was the creation of man, male and female together in God's image. And then God rested. A beautiful story. And then in chapter two, verse four, suddenly we start hearing a whole different story about the same thing. God created the world in one day. And the first thing God created, the first thing that God actively created in that story was man. And man's job was to till the earth, but it hadn't rained yet. So God first made it rain and God brought man. And man's job is to make things grow. And then, and we're all familiar with this. There's nothing new to any of us to say that there are two different presentations of Bereshit. Chazal encountered this problem. It wasn't made up by Graf and Wellhausen. Chazal were familiar with this problem and dealt with this problem. And one of the famous answers in the Midrash, Rashi quotes this in his commentary on Chumash at the beginning, is essentially that chapter one represents the plan, the ideal, and chapter two represents the implementation. Rashi points out that the first story uses the word Elohim for God. And Elohim, we know, is associated with justice. Court is called Elohim. A judge is called Elohim. And the second story uses Hashem Elohim because that includes the name of God, which represents compassion. And Rashi on the, on the spot quotes the Midrash. It says, originally God wanted to create the world according to strict justice. If you mess up, you're gone. He saw that the world would not last that way, so he mixed in compassion. What essentially that Midrash is saying is that chapter one never happened. Chapter one was the plan. It was the blueprint. And chapter two is what actually happened. Chapter one was this is the ideal world. Everything's perfect. Everything's tov. Everything is clinical. Everything is in its own place. It's like a lab. But that's not the real world. And the real world starts in chapter two. That's the way that that Midrash describes it. Now, I want to come back to our Psukim and suggest the same thing. That verse four that Avram went, like God said, and Lot tagged along, was the ideal. That was what he was supposed to do. He was supposed to go alone. What's verse 5? What he actually did. He took Sarai, and he took Lot, and he took all of his stuff. And it's because of the reasoning that I suggested. He said, how am I supposed to represent justice if I behave in a terribly unjust and immoral way? So I'd like to suggest that the test of Lech Lecha, and this is challenging, that the test of Lech Lecha was, how much, Avram, are you going to actually stand up to my command and challenge me on my own terms? And guess what? He passed because he didn't follow the command. 
The test was, are you going to do exactly what I tell you and leave them all behind and go? Or are you going to go further than that and challenge it based on what the message that you're supposed to be bringing is? And he passed it. Okay. Uh, then uh, the obvious question is, uh, how do you reconcile that with the Akedah? Yeah, good. So the Akedah is, is, brings up a whole host of, of other issues. And the question is whether Avram the whole time kind of suspected that it was going to be stopped. That's why he said, we will return to you. Unclear. Agreed. It's a problem. Any way you slice it, the Akedah is a problem. There's no easy solution to the Akedah. So I, I agree with you that this is just another take that makes the Akedah look difficult. So as like, like all the other takes do. Okay. So at the end of this opening portion, at the end of source one, God appears to Avram, even though Avram took his family. And he says, I'm giving this land to your kids. Now, by the way, Avram is Sarai in tow. So who are his kids? That's the problem. Now, there'd be a very simple solution, which we would call a compromise. And Hashem could turn to Avram and say, okay, look, you're not willing to walk away from them. Fine. Take a second wife. Take a concubine. Have kids with her. Avram doesn't do it. Now, God never said it that we know of, but Avram also doesn't come up with the idea on his own. Let me get, go get another wife and add her to Sarah. I'm certainly wealthy enough. He doesn't do it at all. He doesn't do it until Sarah finally turns to him, and we'll see that. So let's take a look at this. God says to him, I'm giving this land to your seed. And I think what Parshat Lech is, all of Parshat Lech from beginning to end, is Avraham's journey. Lech and Vayera and Chayesara are Avraham's geographic journey. From go to the land that I will show you until finally he locates the land of God showing him at the end of Vayera, and that's the Akedah. However, there's another journey. The journey for the seed. Who is the seed? And I think all of Parshat Lechlecha is that journey. Where does it start? It starts right here. Who did Avram take with him to Canaan? To, who did he take? He took Sarai, and also who else did he take? He took Lot. And so Avram's saying, okay, if I do not, do not have biological children, I've adopted Lot, Lot will be the continuation. And so I'm calling that attempt number one, which is other family members. Maybe I will be built through Lot. Maybe Lot will be my Zera. Now, that's not so strange as it sounds, because we do find students referring to their teachers as Avi Avi. That's what Elisha says when Eliyahu leaves. Avi Avi, Rechav Yisrael Farashav. That's what the king says when he falls on Elisha's bed when Elisha dies. My father. And Chazal famously have the drush of Shinantam Levanecha. What's Levanecha? Chazal say, Elo Talmidim, your children, that's your students. And so for Avram to say, you know what? I will have somebody else who will take over for me who's also family. It's not so strange. And he tries. And by the way, it lasts for a while. Because let's walk through the story. Avraham has to go to Egypt because there's a family. Avram famously says, Sarai is my sister. We all know the story. Who's with Avram the whole time? Who says nothing about it and doesn't give him up? Lot is there. Lot is with him. And when, by the way, when we come back, 
We find out that Lot is wealthy. Take a look at source three. Lot is also wealthy, wealthy Lot also got lots of stuff in Mitzrayim. And now they come up and then what happens? There is a, a dispute between Lot shepherds and Avram shepherds. The probable reason for that is because neither of them actually own any land. They're strangers, they're visitors, they're nomads. And there's not enough for all this huge flock that both of them got from Mitzrayim because they suddenly became rich to be grazing. So there's a fight over land. Now, a lot of different opinions that we've shown about what the fight was exactly about, but basically a fight over land. So look at verse eight. What does Avram say to Lot? I'll, and by the way, he's still hoping that Lot will be the future. Let there not be a fight between me and you and between our shepherds. What does he say to him? Which means, literally it means what? We're brothers. We're brothers. Now, of course, brothers is used in Tanakh often to refer to other male family, mem family members, even refers to treaty partners. But watch what he says. What does Avram say to Lot? The whole land is in front of you. Separate from me. And then he says the following. He doesn't just say separate from me. He says, Which the, the literal translation is, if you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Which makes it sound like you could pick any part of the land to go to. I'll go to the other part. We won't have to fight. But that's not what it means. Small and Yamin are actually directions in Tanakh. Yamin, we certainly know, is a direction itself. Yemen, Teman. Because when you face east, which is how everybody's facing in, in Tanakh, south is to the right. So what's left? Left is north. What is Avram offering Lot? It's very simple. He says, if you want to go to the, to the uh, north, I'll go to the south. If you want to go to the south, I'll go to the north. Where are Avram and Lot standing when they say this? Well, we find out they're standing near Betel, in the middle of the mountain range that goes from Hebron to Shechem. Which basically, Avram saying to Lot, if you want to go towards Shechem, I'll go to Hebron. If you want to go to Hebron, I'll go to Shechem. Avram is not giving Lot free reign of the land. Go anywhere you want. He's saying, stay in the mountain range. Stay with the Emori in the mountain range. and go, Don't go to the Canaanite down in the lowlands. And what does Lot do instead? And by the way, he's still hoping that Lot is going to be the future. What does Lot do? Lot looks up and he looks down. He casts his eyes up and looks down into the Jordan Valley and sees how beautiful and lush it all is. And he decides to go east to Stom. And then we're told the people of Stom are terrible people. What has Lot done? Lot has essentially written himself out of this, out of this candidacy with his own bad choice. In spite of that, Avram still swoops in to save him in the story of the kings. And then Avram pleads for the whole city of Stone. We're not done with Lot. So Lot is done with Lot with a bottle of ripple, two daughters, and a cave in the Ozarks. But um, that is, uh, that's the first attempt. It doesn't work. And but there's a good reason it doesn't work, because where's Lot coming from? Lot is coming from that old world that God told him to leave. So he has loyalty to take care of Lot, and he continues taking care of Lot. He saves him, but Lot's not the answer. So he looks elsewhere. Where does he look? He says, I've got to have somebody who's going to continue this mission. If they're not biological children, because Sarah can't have, give birth, and I'm not marrying anybody else, I'm loyal to Sarah, chastei avot. 
So what happens? He settles in to Hebron. And he not only settles in to Hebron, but he creates treaty partners. And they are Eshkol and Nero Mamre. Three treaty partners who he treats very well and treats them like family. And he calls them Hanearim, the young men, which means they seem to be younger than he is. And it seems that Avram has sort of adopted them as his followers. And the Midrashim build up on this. Mamre was the one who gave him the advice about Brit Milah, right? So this whole story of Anerashkol Mamre here seems to be Avram's next attempt to try to build a following. I can't have a following to my kids because I'm not going to have kids. Lot washed out. So instead, I'll try with treaty partners. That doesn't work. That doesn't work. They continue to be separate people. So third attempt, although it's another form of treaty partners, which is Hashem comes to Avram after the war with the kings, and he says, you have a great reward. You have a great reward. Avram says, what's the point of giving me this? And I'll take a look at it. What are you giving me a reward for? I have no kids. And at this point, we got to say, well, what's Avram thinking? And he must be thinking as follows. The mission, I can continue through others. But an inheritance only goes through kids. So what's the point of giving me an inheritance? And then what does he say? Uven meshek beiti hu damesek eliezer. This is a play on the word damesek meshek. Ben meshek beiti, which means my CFO, who is Eliezer of Damascus, probably that's what it means, is the one guy in my household. Because evidently, Anerashkol and Mamre are not really part of his household. And then Avram says, you've not given me kids. And by the way, Avram is not, this is like the, the guy who comes, the, 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 the uh, guy who comes after 70 years of being a righteous guy and he comes to God and, and he's angry because he said, all these years, and God, you never once let me win the lottery. And God said, yeah, but you should have bought a ticket. So what, what are you complaining? You don't have any kids. You, you find yourself a woman who can have kids. He doesn't do that. My house man is going to inherit from me. What does God turn to him and say? Attempt number one, which is other family members, Lot, no good. Attempt number two, outsiders, no good. What does he say? The child that will issue from your loins will inherit from you. Which means he's now telling Avram something new, which is you're going to have biological children. Okay, and that's where it's going to come from. And then he takes him outside and shows him the stars. Last year we talked about, was it nighttime or daytime? Was it a vision? Was it real? Was it before or after? All the shitot. And he says, take a look at the stars. Can you count them? In the same way, your kids will be innumerable. Okay, beautiful. And then, um, and he's told, you're going to have kids. And later on, he's told, your kids are going to be strangers in a foreign land and they'll be oppressed. We all know Brit Ben Abitarim. Good. And so we get to attempt number three. Attempt number one was current living family members. Lot didn't work. Attempt number two was non-family members, followers, students, people working the house. Didn't work. God said, that's not it. It's got an issue from you. Okay. So what's attempt number three? Attempt number three is a child of Avraham. But notice the loyalty of Avraham. And by the way, the loyalty of Avraham is not just to Sarah. 
The loyalty of Avram is to Lot. Look how loyal he is to Lot. The loyalty of Avram is to his treaty partners. When, when the king of Stone offers to give him money for the people, he says, I don't want your money, but you do have to pay on Ereshkol and Mamre. They get a part of the spoils. He's loyal to them. Avram at no point says that we know of, I'm going to take another wife, I'm going to take a concubine, I'm going to have kids, because God said I have to have kids. He doesn't do that. Sarai comes up to Avram and says, you know what, I've got, I've, uh, God has not kept, uh, not allowed me to have kids. I have a shifcha, her name is Agar, take her and have, and Avram says, okay, without hesitation. Until Sarah asks him to do it, he doesn't do anything. He takes Hagar, he impregnates her right away, which if you think about it, is bad news for Sarah. Because whenever a couple's infertile, you can always wonder who's the cause. But the minute that one of them gets pregnant, or she gets pregnant, then he's the problem. And the minute that he gets someone else pregnant, she's the problem. So Hagar being pregnant is very problematic for Sarah. And then Hagar treats Sarah badly. And Sarah gets angry. And Avram immediately hands Hagar over to Sarah. His loyalty to Sarah is unbelievable. His loyalty doesn't stop there. And in the end of this process, what happens? A kid is born, and that's Ishmael. Who is Ishmael? Ishmael is the future. Ishmael is the Zara that God promised. God promised you're going to have a kid, and he's going to have lots of kids, and they'll be innumerable, and through those kids, you're going to be blessed, and that's Ishmael. It's very straightforward. No questions asked. Until God comes to Avram afterwards and says, your name is Avram. I'm changing your name to Abraham. You're going to become the father of many nations, which, by the way, may change things here. And maybe the Ishmael is not the only one. And uh, I'm going to make a breed, and the breed is breed milah, and nobody should violate the breed, and eight days old, et cetera, et cetera. And then he says, mm-hmm. Don't call her Sarai. Her name is Sarai. I'm changing your name like I changed your name. Now, immediately, you get a sense. Why did God change Avram's name? He told him. You're going to be the father of many nations. In other words, the name change represents a new level of reproductivity. You're going to now be the father of not only of one, but many, many people. So if I'm changing Sarai's name, it must be also something in her reproductive future. I'm going to bless her and I'm going to give you a son through her. Now, Sarah is 89 right now. And she will be the mother of nations and of kings. Avraham falls down and whether that's incredulity or joy. A year from now, I'm going to be 100. She'll be 90. Is it possible for us to have a kid? And what does Avram say? Remember loyalty. If only Yishmael just makes it. Yishmael survives. Now, by the way, notice how Gomel Chasadim Tovim. Sarai, your wife. Notice the emphasis. Not your concubine. Sarai, your wife is going to give you a kid. Name him Yitzchak, because that was your reaction. And I'm going to keep my breed with him and to his kids. Now, your Avram, immediately your concern is, I love Yishmael. What about Yishmael? You throwing him out? Nice play on words. I've heard you about Yishmael. 
I blessed him. I will increase him. He will end up having 12 princes, meaning 12 sub-tribes, each with their own prince. He'll be a very big nation. But the breed will be with Yitzchak. So now notice, three attempts, and it works the classic Tanakh pattern of three plus one. Avram is told, you're going to be the source of a blessing. His original command is, you go on your own, start fresh. Avram refuses to do it because his commitment is to his family, to his orphan nephew and to his wife. He takes them with him. And then when God says, I'm giving the land to your seed, Avram says, okay, Lot will be the guy. That doesn't work out. Then he says, okay, I'll find followers. I'm not having kids, and I'm not taking another wife and, or a concubine. So he tries with followers. That doesn't work. Because God says to him, it's going to be your kid that issues from your loins. He says, okay. But he doesn't do anything about it until Sarah says, take Hagar. He takes Hagar. Boom. Nine months later, there's a kid. And that's the future. And then God appears to him when Yishmael is 13 and Avram is 99 and says that Sarai is going to be the one to give you a child. And that will be the one that will be the future. So three other family members, treaty partners, a son, but not with Sarah. And then number four is the resolution, which is a son with Sarah. But this has a coda. What happens in the house? A few years later, well, a year later, Sarah gives birth. And there's a baby, and that's Yitzchak. Beautiful. What happens when Yitzchak's a few years old? Yitzchak is weaned. They have a big party. I guess it would be a weenie roast. And, sorry, and at that party, what does Sarah see? She sees Yishmael laughing. We don't know what that means. It could be Yishmael and Yitzchak are playing like big brother, little brother. It could be that Yishmael is doing something inappropriate. Different approaches. But Sarah immediately wants Yishmael out of the house because she wants Yitzchak to have the place to himself, seemingly. Doesn't mean she doesn't want the influence of Yishmael. Does it mean that she wants Yitzchak to grow up as an only child? Doesn't mean she doesn't want Yishmael to claim inheritance like the Hammurabi um, concern, the concern based on the Hammurabi code. We're not sure. What's Avram's reaction when Sarah says, I want her out of the house and her and the boy out of the house? What is Avram's reaction? When, when, when Sarah comes to Avram and says, please take Hagar, he does. When Sarah comes and says, I'm mad about Hagar, he gives her back, no question. Mm. What happens when, when Sarah comes to Avram and says, I want the girl and the, boy, the, the handmaid and her son out of the house? What's Avram's reaction? He's torn. Why is he torn? Because he's torn to his loyalty to Sarah and his loyalty to Ishmael, maybe to Hagar. He is a man of tremendous loyalty and tremendous commitment. And he's torn. And so God resolves the conflict. God says, in front of us, don't be saddened about him. Whatever Sarah tells you, listen to her. Because Yitzchak will be the guy. But don't worry. The child of this handmaid will also be a nation. He'll also be okay. I'll take care of him. So in other words, you can maintain your loyalty to Sarah while still being assured that Yishmael will be taken care of. Not in your tent, but will be taken care of. And by the, how is that loyalty repaid? Perhaps in the most, in the ultimate way, that Yishmael, who was banished from the house, 
comes back to join Yitzchak to bury Avram. The family is not separated. The family is still together. Now, what we looked at over the course of this half hour was kind of a checkers jumping through Parshat Lech Lecha and a little bit into Parshat Vayera of Avraham's various attempts to create that future that will be the source of blessing that he was told to create. It starts, though, with Avraham being challenged. When God says, you go on your own, and Avraham says, if I go on my own, I can't represent God. And therefore, he insists on taking his family, and God approves of that choice. God doesn't stop and tell him, go back and put, send them back there. God doesn't say, I'm going to go with somebody else because you blew it. The opposite. God approves of that choice. And God confides in Avraham later on that I'm going to do something and allows Avraham to challenge him on his own terms because I have asked Avraham to represent my, my justice in the world and I'm about to carry out justice and Avraham challenges him on the justice. Avraham takes him to court. It's a very powerful statement. And we speak about Avraham as a hero perhaps his greatest heroism in his fierce commitment to the way of Hashem, even being able to stand up to Hashem and challenge him on his command about that, which of course, like Kurt says, still leaves us with the question of the Akedah, which is a question mark. I'm not going to put an exclamation mark where question mark belongs. But hopefully this gives us a better sense of the sequence of events and the development uh, of the family within Lech Lecha and into Vayera, and hopefully a new insight into the phrase that we say three times a day in Shmon Esrei also.